The AXPX Podcast is brought to you by Charming Beard Coffee. Go to charmingbeard.com and enter in the code AXPX when you buy a bag of their single roasted coffees and get 10% off of your order. Charming Beard Coffee, quality, small batch, single origin coffee for the discerning coffee drinker. Beard not necessarily required. everyone to part two of episode 13 of the axpx podcast the uh our first topic for 2013 we're talking gun control and for this episode it's just me and i have two uh two people i'll be talking to they're members of family so um should be fun first up that i'm talking to right now is my dad tom derager hey dad hey how you doing son Good, good. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk to you uh, in particular is because we actually have a history of owning guns in, the, in, in our family. I was raised fairly young, um, learning about how to use a gun. We would go out, and when we lived in Northern California, we'd go out to the shooting range. And uh, I was actively involved in, um, in Christian Service Brigade. And uh, you, you uh, did some shooting uh, classes or something like that with the older, with the older uh, like the high school guys. You uh you did some sort of uh we can elaborate on that too but um oh yeah you know mm-hmm. you you were involved yeah. in training uh you know as as how to use a weapon properly and uh, going to the shoot I remember going to the shooting range and you know it was a, it was a fun time me, me and me and uh, my brother Sam we we go with uh with my dad here to the shooting range and get a little soda and some candy and you know shoot at targets and it was a very positive experience and I learned at a very young age like I mentioned in, in the previous uh, section of the of the show here that I learned how to respect and handle, you know, a rifle at a young age. So, yeah, what what do you remember, Dad, about that time, you know, when what, when you were uh, taking us to the gun range? Oh, that was just a really fun time of, of life, you know. Um, I remember, well, I still have your two rifles that, that I bought <laughs> for you guys, youth uh, 22s, uh-huh. uh, so that you know, your short arms could uh, do it. You guys were about what? I think I was five and six years old. Something <laughs> five like and that. six it's, or seven years old. Yeah, it was around like that. that age range. <laughs> but the Chipmunk 22 is very, uh, very small. <laughs> a full size rifle for a miniature sized person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, was there any reason you just thought it would be it would be good for us to learn? Did you have, or is it just uh, something fun, something fun and educational for you to bring, you know, to spend time with your with the boy with your oh. boys? Or oh well, uh, the main thing with with uh, gun training for young people is so that it's not dangerous in your house to have guns because right. they're they're educated uh, you've taught them yourself which means they usually uh, kids respect the person that teaches them something mm-hmm. you know it's just a natural response and the safest way to have guns in the house was to have kids who are instructed in their use you know when they're old enough to uh, climb around and you know get access to stuff in your home, they should be educated. Yeah. Also, it's it's part I think of parenthood 
where you trust your children with things that are take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, it fosters um, good bonding and uh, also responsible citizenship as the, as the kids get older. Yeah. You know, we were also involved in Christian Service Brigade, which is like a Boy Scouts uh, program in the church. Uh, and that was that was part of summer camp mm-hmm. was shooting uh, 22 rifles. And the kids were from first to sixth grade uh, in stockade camp, stockade aged children, boys. Uh, and that was part of uh, summer camp was yeah. the gun range, which yeah. it is in a lot of organizations. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think Boy Scouts in particular do have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. I had that in Boy Scouts. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you trained at a young age, you trained us. And I, I, you know, I, I think that was very beneficial. I know some people, uh, you know, I told them what age I was, you know, learned how to use a gun and some, you know, some people don't, you know, get a little shocked and you know, I can't believe it. But I, 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 I tell, I tell them that, you know, we were instructed properly and it's a, I think it's a very, it was a very beneficial to my growing up, um, that I did learn how to operate a, a weapon at a, at a gun at, responsibly at a young age and we learned how to keep you know keep the chamber open you never point the gun at anyone you point when you are uh, walking with a rifle chambers open no uh bullets in there uh and then you you point the rifle to the ground um things like that so what in particular what's uh what's your history with guns like did uh did did your dad own guns was he a gun owner when when did you start uh becoming interested in, in you know wanting to own you know a handgun or, or a rifle. Um, I know you were, you're mm. like I mentioned on the previous episode, you were uh, in the truck, the trucking business. So was that mm-hmm. part of it for self-defense mm-hmm. or what's your, what's your history with, with weaponry? <laughs> 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 well, my, no, dad didn't have uh, guns. He wasn't in, into guns uh-huh. and hunting and all that stuff. Um, yeah, my basic history of firearms is that um, in Boy Scouts, we had, you know, uh, weapons training or, you know, 22 rifle shooting and 22 rifle skeet shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, Naval Sea Cadets, we had uh, weapons training there, too, uh, with the M1 rifle mm-hmm. and uh, 45 caliber pistol. Um, and then that was my experience as a youth, basically, uh, on those kind of things. I never had a my own personal guns. Uh, as a as a young person, um, and I wasn't really thinking about it too much. Uh, as an older teenager in high school and stuff, I was mm-hmm. involved in sports and things. You know, and it wasn't on the forefront of my list of things to do. Um, but what motivated me to get interested in in guns is when you and Sam were young, uh, we had an event uh, happen at our house. Uh, where we were, oh, I was unarmed uh-huh. and felt I should be armed at that point in time. Uh, you know, we lived in the glide path of the Hayward Airport there. And uh, we find out that somebody had thrown a box out of an airplane before they landed. And we think it was drug contraband. Um, and at 2.30 in the morning, your mom's looking out the window and looking at people with flashlights, you know, in the backyard and, the dog's barking and the dude's telling the dog to be quiet. And, 
and all that. And uh, she finally wakes me up <laughs> and she says, I've been, I've been watching these guys, you know, <laughs> in the backyard. And I says, hey, cow, you've been watching them and you didn't wake me up. <laughs> so here I'm wondering what's going on. So we call the police and they come with uh, about, I think about six uh, police cars with, with two or three guys in each car. I mean, immediately they uh-huh. were down the street and down the street behind our houses and stuff. So that was pretty weird because I thought, wow, here we are with a police in force. I felt like a piece of bait, you know, they were <laughs> waiting for somebody to phone in right. because they knew these guys had dropped something out of the airplane and they were looking for evidence. It was really weird. I wanted to catch these guys retrieving the contraband. You right. know, or we, well, at one point in time, there was a guy on our front porch, uh, you know, uh, about ready to enter our house. And I had a baseball bat. Yeah. Thinking this is a fight or flight situation. And when you're in your home, fight is all you can do. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, protecting your family and stuff. Anyways, after that, it motivated me to look into uh, arming ourselves, you uh-huh. know, for home protection. Home protection. So, yeah. And later on in trucking, you know, it, it came in handy for <laughs> protection against an employee at one, one yeah. time. So. Yeah. Now was the time where I was forced to decide whether to use lethal force or not. So yeah. it's quite traumatic. Do you want to do you want to go into that? Because I know that uh, that's definitely been a motivation factor in, in you you know keeping you know keeping a gun around and uh, things like. Can you describe one of those scenarios? Or yeah, there was a driver who worked for us who was disgruntled uh, over a minor issue, but he was into drugs and unpredictable, uh-huh. and he threatened us. Uh, threatened me uh, that he was going to take things into his own hands. I knew he carried a gun in his truck. Um, But he said he was going to park my truck in our front room at our house. Uh So at that point in time, we were armed and trained in in gun safety and, you know, using them and all that stuff. And uh, so mom had the shotgun at home (laughs) and she was ready for him if he did Try to make good on his promise, you know, protecting you kids. And I was at our truck yard in Fremont and uh, ready for him there. And it was a funny thing uh, that the guy actually called when the detective, the Fremont police detective, was taking my statement uh-huh. in the afternoon. Because this guy was going to be arriving about six hours later. We expected him between 10, 11 p.m., uh, was when he was supposed to get to our yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so at at like five o'clock, the detective is there taking my you know taking the information and you know we're going over you know what can I do or what can't I do in the event that this guy threatens my life. And uh, he said, "Well, we can't be here when you think he's going to be here. The best we can do is you can call us." when you see him coming and the way our yard was situated that would mean about two minutes (laughs) you know yeah two minutes we see the truck or less and (laughs) and 
And so he said, well, you, you need to just do what you need to do. You need to protect yourself. Yeah. And you know, if he threatens you and you shoot him, it's just like he's in your house when he's at your place of business. So you have that perfect right to do that. Wow. And so, you know, that it was a tense uh, arrival. He did come to the yard and did not go to the house with our semi. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was a tense situation, but I had my uh, pistol in my jacket pocket and it was loaded and ready to go. I, I might have shot him right through my uh, coat there yeah. <laughs> if I had. But uh, uh, he stood down, you know, and everything was done very carefully and he exited the place. But that motivated me to uh, or taught me uh, by the police detective, you know, counseling me that uh, the police can only do so much and they they, they can't assume someone's going to commit a crime and try to prevent it right right you know so you play on your own um when you're protecting your home or your yeah. business or your person yeah you know or your family. <clears throat> so so you recently um you recently got your conceal and carry permit in iowa there um so i wanted to ask you you know what steps did you have i mean first of all to be a gun owner, like, are are there certain steps that you're required to to go through? Do you have a, a license? Um, so for basic gun ownership, like for the home, and then uh, like what kind of steps did you have to take to actually get a conceal and carry permit? Can you walk us through like what you you know what you have to do? Yeah. First, I'd like to say the Second Amendment is what <clears throat> gives everybody the right. To bear arms, right? So there are very few places where um, non-concealed carry—you're just wearing a holster on your belt with your weapon in it or whatever—is um, legal in this country. Okay, uh, it's it's kind of a scary thing to do because people aren't used to seeing that happen. Right. So walk down down the street in our small town of Garner, you know, you might be taking your life in your hands, you know, because they might think you're going to pull something, but it would be a tense moment. Uh, there has have been people wearing concealed weapon or not. I mean, wearing holstered weapons outwardly, um, just to kind of get the public, uh, up to speed on the idea that, uh, Hey, this is, this is legal and you should get expect to see in it a little more. <laughs> um, do do you like? I don't know if you've bought a gun recently or anything like that, but um, did no. you ha ever have like a background check run on you or anything like that when you've purchased weapons in the past, or what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, for years when you uh, buy a gun, you register and they do a background check. Uh -huh. There's some kind of instant check system that they uh, make, they phone up, they phone in, and they uh, see whether or not the person has a record mm -hmm. uh, of any kind and. Uh, so purchasing a weapon um, has had these limitations on it for a long time. I mean, way back in, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I'd like to say something about uh, assault weapons. Sure. Um, assault weapons are a rifle, you know, that has a selector switch on it uh -huh. that you select between a three round burst or fully automatic right well, what 
people are calling assault weapons are not assault weapons at all. They are autoloaders. Right. Are they more semi-automatic? You can only, you, you fire one bullet per time you pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're confusing oh. the amount of uh, ammunition in the clip uh, right. for automatic. But yeah, you have to pull the trigger yeah. each time, so it really doesn't matter. That's what I don't what I don't, don't get about the uh, the limit where President Obama was talking about the uh, limiting the clip size because it's like, well, if you have a couple clips on you, it's and it's a semi-automatic, it doesn't make that doesn't you know swapping out a, a magazine doesn't really take that long. <laughs> you know, you're not really gonna. Well, it does if you're shooting against another party. You yeah. know, I mean, if you're yeah. if shooting back, that makes a big difference. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and it's important, but. The main thing is an assault assault weapons have been highly regulated since uh-huh. 1934 and people don't realize that. Um, you can get a do a background check and buy licenses uh-huh. for fully automatic weapons. Right. Uh, for machine guns. Um, and that those are true assault weapons where you have a selector switch mm-hmm. and you can fire three round bursts or go to fully automatic that's an assault battle weapon okay okay we have here are all semi or or, you know auto loaders where you have to pull a trigger to fire around and some look scary yeah you know they're stylized after the military styling you know so you can add on various uh uh, accessories and stuff flashlights and different sight systems and whatnot Uh But it's still one bullet per, you know, trigger pull. Okay, so what? Because there was a news. Have a wood- yeah, no, there was a news story that I read this morning. Yeah. Uh, There's a shooting in New Mexico. Mm. Uh, yeah. A teenager killed uh, two adults and three children, and the news story said that there was an assault rifle nearby. But uh, you, who knows exactly what it is? What that is because uh, the you know someone sees a scary looking gun, they kind of automatically register it as an assault rifle. So exactly. Um, back to the conceal and conceal and carry permit. Um, did you have to get a mm-hmm. register and get a permit for that and take courses or what's to in order to legally conceal and carry? Uh, are there steps you need to take uh, in, in Iowa there or what? You know, what did you have to yeah. do? Yeah. What uh, motivated me to go ahead and get my concealed carry is I have I have carried many times you know when i was out trucking between uh-huh. 95 and 2005 or nine or so well 94 to anyway quite a long time i've always <laughs> carried yeah i can see a weapon not on my person but in my uh truck cab mm-hmm. because the thinking is that that's where you live and sleep right and so that is your home it's your home away from so home. you have a right to defend yeah exactly and you, so you have a right to defend your person in your home because you're you're sleeping there uh so i always carried a a second amendment book or a a uh, booklet that describes the, the constitution of the united states uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because the uh permitting was so complicated and the states didn't uh, honor one another's right um, yeah concealed carry permits right so there's no reciprocity. Uh, nowadays, uh, there is a lot of reciprocity between the states so that an Iowa permit is good, you know, in a lot of states. 
I'll show you this. It's a, so you can see it, Sean. Anyway, I know people can't out there can't see it, but here's a chart that shows okay all the states that Iowa permit is good in, and it it covers most which, uh, of what people buy by territory. Which uh, the the chart you showed me was color coded. Which was the blue and which was the red? Yeah, the blue are the states that have that are that honor the Iowa permit. Okay, so most states do honor the Iowa permit. From this chart here, right? I'll try to get this chart from you, from you, Dad. Maybe we can post that on the the show notes here. Maybe you can scan it in for yeah. me or something like that later. But uh, hopefully, we will get this posted right. so everyone can see that. But that's that's interesting that there are uh, cross um, that you can go across state lines because in the previous podcast we did talk we talked about uh, one of our, our guests, uh, Brad uh, McCarg, who's a mm-hmm. uh, freelance journalist. He had a friend who was a gun own, owner and had a, quite a bit you know of guns, and he moved from one state to another state and this must have been a state where things didn't put, go over because he eventually he was trying i don't know i can't remember uh uh what he said but it, he eventually it led to him getting arrested because he didn't have the proper permits that were legal they were all legal in his first state i think it was of colorado home state but then when he moved mm-hmm. half those things half those half of those were illegal so he got arrested so that's what we were talking about right. when we were talking about you know, states and their, their separate laws, you know, that really is something that should be worked around. Um, right. So I had had a concealed carrier permit uh-huh. uh, in in the early 90s when I was uh, trucking and driving for other people. Uh, but you have to redo it every year. And there wasn't the reciprocity at that time. Uh-huh. So I let my permit lapse uh, because I, I thought, well, most of the time I'm out of the state anyway. Right. Uh no, so so there's no real point in doing it. So after the Aurora, Colorado shooting, uh, I was motivated to kind of make a statement and also to to participate, you know, in really uh, defending, um, you know, our homeland here. Uh, mm-hmm. You think that nothing's going on in Iowa, but we had some shootings uh, last year where three gas stations were robbed at gunpoint and. And and three people died. Uh-huh. The the guy shot the clerks. Wow. So you know, just in our local towns here, just Podunk, Iowa. I mean, you know, no real reason to think that there's a you know this kind of violence going on, but it does happen. Yeah, well, I remember when I was in high school. I don't know if it was high school or I think it was high school where uh, there was a customer that came in. I forget who exactly it was, but he was murdered by. You know, that night that I saw him in the grocery store, he was murdered, you know, a few hours later in his home by, I don't know if it was his ex-wife's boyfriend or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't remember the specifics, but that was, you know, chilling to hear, you mm-hmm. know, that it's being a young age, being like, I think I was like 16 or 17, but to hear something like that would happen right after I saw the guy in a town. I mean, how many people yeah. live in Garner? I mean, it's a, what's the population of, yeah. of Garner? Uh, about 2,800. 2,800 people. So... To hear something like that yeah. happen, and it, you know, it's uh, it is scary. You know, it ha- it can happen anywhere. Um, did you yeah. have to take yeah. a class to to get this concealed and carry permit, or what? Uh, what'd you have to do to kind of get uh, all your paperwork sorted yeah. out? Yeah, I called the sheriff's office and asked mm-hmm. if there was any concealed carry classes coming up, and they have one deputy that uh, that does a concealed carry uh, training, which uh, took all day Saturday to do. Uh, eight hour class uh-huh. 
Um, it was very informative. He covered a lot of topics and, uh, and a lot of ethic, ethical uh, scenarios were played out and right. stuff. Uh, and it was very, very worthwhile. And then they do, they do a background check and issue a permit if you uh, stand the scrutiny uh, about a week later. Uh-huh. Right. So, and this, these lists or these permits are kept by the sheriff and only the sheriff and the sheriff's one sheriff's deputy right. out of the whole office uh, have access to the permit uh, binder that they keep. Uh-huh. And uh, our sheriff has uh, said that, uh, that he would never reveal the identities of the people uh, in this folder or this binder that they keep their permits in. Um, that he would defend that binder with his life. Hmm. Yeah, he's got so a good, good the sheriff. idea that it, yeah, he is a good sheriff, Scott Dodd. And uh, if if people think that these permits are published into a database, you know, by and large they are not. Right. And I think you know it's it's kept by the the uh, sheriffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think the people that are primarily going to defend our country against this. Uh, this whole idea of gun confiscation or, you know, or whatnot is going to be this, the governors and the sheriffs yeah. are going to stand up. Yeah. And so far, I don't see any evidence of, of any gun confiscation or any, you know, federal database list going into play yet. So that's another thing we, we discussed, um, why there was, there was a lot of mis- miscommunication or misconceptions about what Obama was doing. Uh, with his his list of twenty three executive orders, um, there was nothing to the sort to lead to any sort of database managed by the feds or anything like that, which we all agreed I think would wouldn't uh, wouldn't be good. You know that's definitely a uh, invasion of privacy, and it's good that uh, you know I guess make sure your your local sheriff is a good sheriff. You know is going to defend that. That's right, and yeah. hey, and that's why the sheriff is an elected official. Yeah, you know. Yeah. He has a constituency to satisfy, and that's you know the majority of the people in his county, which I think is very fine. Yeah. So speaking of uh, you know these misconceptions of of banning guns and everything like that, um, and there there are people that do want you know uh, some guns, if not all gu- guns, banned. Um, I mean, mm. do 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 you think? You, you obviously don't mm. think that would solve anything, but what would that solve? Would it solve anything, or would it? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, on a total gun ban if if that happened? Although it is, you know, to an extent, highly unlikely. What what would you what do you think about that? Well, again, I, I think about uh, what is the extent of human government. Um, the whole idea of being able to defend yourself or your family is is uh, really focuses around. The family being the smallest um, denominator of government. And when a person comes into your house, there's what has, uh, through the uh, ancient times, been known as the threshold covenant, Uh which means when you are in my house, I am responsible to protect your life. And so based on that, principle that the and other people call it you know the um castle principle mm-hmm. which means your home is your castle uh, similar to a sea captain's responsibility on the open seas uh he is 
the one who's in charge of making sure that justice happens on his on his, uh, on within his responsibility, uh, the people that are in his care. And so the idea of disarming the public would be to totally disregard um, the responsibility of husbandry uh, in the family mm-hmm. on the most basic level. Um, but then you want to move up to your town level, your state level, you know, on up. It's all about being able to defend yourself against attack. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody, anybody. A lot of people say, well, the government's going to turn on all of us. We need to defend ourselves from the government. But you're it's it's I think it's it's simpler than that. You know, any sort of attack, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to be able to defend your your home and your family from, you know, whoever may be invading your house. You know, I think. Right. And I I think a lot of people just start, you know, getting broad with everything or or they they say, well, I need to defend it from, you know, the government is going to come in. But. Yeah, I think that's also highly unlikely. You know, it's kind of the fringe gun owners and gun enthusiasts think that, you know, they're building up their arsenals. But it, you want to protect your house from uh, from any sort of invader. I think that's the probably the best way to explain it. Exactly. I really respect what they do in uh, Switzerland. Yeah. They have mandatory military service in Switzerland. Um, and during uh, they have an active duty portion, I think, is is like six months. For uh-huh. up to one year, and then they are on reserve duty for the next ten years. And their uh, M16 style assault rifles are assigned to them, and they have a right to carry their M16 or similar rifle, uh-huh. similar you know uh, assault rifle uh, in public or wherever they want to carry it. Yeah. Um, so you've got a bunch of twenty-year-olds. You know, that are the uh, militia, you know, the official militia of the country. And, you know, upon discharge, uh, they they can they can have their uh, gun or they can buy a new one or whatever they want to do. But an armed citizenry uh, is responsible for keeping the crime rates down. Yeah, Uh, because, you know, anybody can go into a theater that has a, you know, no guns allowed sign out in front and shoot people because the law-abiding citizen is going to you know obey that law and not be armed when an armed person you know like in aurora could have stopped that whole thing yeah stopped it or or you know maybe i don't know that's a that's a tough scenario because in that case it was a darkened theater the people didn't even see him coming in you know it's like how do you uh you know how do you prepare for that if your eyes are fixated on a on a on a screen on a in, during a scene where there is massive gunfire going on, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, that's a yeah, tough scenario. I that scenario, I, I don't think it's not the best scenario, but there are other yeah. examples of, there are other examples of, uh, of someone who is armed, uh, taking care of a situation. I know there was a, uh, an older gentleman who had these guys break into his house and they came, once they came up the mm-hmm. stairs to, from the basement to where he was, he just gunned them down, <laughs> you know, that's it. and uh, they had no, uh, they had no chance, but they were had you know invaded his home. So, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's exactly it. So I think, yeah, you know, to an extent, you know, if there was a, you know, a, a, a robber or a or a criminal, you know, going into a situation, if they suspect, you know, possibly, you know, more people would be armed to defend themselves, uh, you know, they probably may, maybe would think twice. But uh, you know, oh what, yeah, 
Yeah. But all that said and done, you know, a maniac's a maniac. He doesn't care about, you know, the law. He doesn't care. He just wants to deal as much damage as he can. And if, exactly. If, you know, if weapons are banned, you know, if guns are banned, if you can't get a gun, he's going to find something else. Um, I know that re- recently there was, uh, you know, there was a plot that some teenager had a plot in, uh, in his school to blow up his classroom, you know, and take out everyone in the classroom. And the teacher stumbled across a journal he had dropped or something like that as she got the authorities involved. And they went to the kid's house and he actually had material and instructions on how to build a bomb. You know, so I think, you know, a maniac's a maniac. You can't. That's right. You know, you can't. You There are precautions you can possibly take, but, you know, that's not going to stop these crazy maniacs that go out and want to and want to kill and that's what we, what we hear on the news is the small percentage of 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 these maniacs that are wanting to deal damage it's not the it's not the populace you know the the main the majority of exactly. gun owners are responsible um and mm-hmm. i i think they should be making awareness of responsible gun ownership i don't think the nra has done a very good job of kind of showcasing responsible gun ownership they've kind of I don't know if uh, they maybe need a new PR person because uh, they've come across yeah. as very insensitive to these situations and kind of, uh, you know, gung-ho, guns are, you know, we appreciate guns. And yeah. too. I, th- I think they've done a poor job and they've kind of shift the blame to violent video games and, and, uh, and television and, and movies where... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, with, no, with, that's an interesting topic. Well, that's an interesting topic. It's almost, I almost want to do a whole other show on, on that. Because my my basic yeah. thoughts are, you know, uh, violent video games aren't the cause. It's the parents, parents of these children who don't care, who let these kids play these games. I'm a responsible adult. If there's a certain game I want to play, I have a basic sense of right or wrong because I was raised a certain way. Um, I can, mm-hmm. I can, right. I've, even, I've even played a game and went, you know what? This game's a little bit too violent for me. I don't really like the path that it's going, so I get rid of the game. You know, but mm-hmm. a kid, a 10 and 11 year old, mm-hmm. you know, who the parents just buy him whatever he wants because all his friends have a Call of Duty game. I think there is, I think it's a balance, you know, of course, the kid's right. impressionable. He sees that his parents don't care that he's spending time blowing things away in a game. So, you know, there could mm-hmm. be, it could be seeds, you know, depending on the kid's mental uh, makeup. Uh, his surroundings, his mm-hmm. friends, you know, that could mm-hmm. have a seed for that. You know, it may never come to fruition, but mm-hmm. I think as a, re- I think parents, you know, need to be res- more responsible, especially I see a lot of parents my age that they just buy their kids whatever they want. And I definitely disagree with that. You need to have, uh, you mm-hmm. need to have discernment as a parent and raise your kids the right way and never use, you know, media as a, as a babysitter, as a hundred percent babysitter, you know, mm-hmm. I always monitor what mm-hmm. they, what they're getting into. Um, I, I guess so. I think there's a balance. The video games aren't the cause, you know, but they can be a tool if used wrongly, if the, if there's no, uh, you know, if, if the parents just kind of let anything go. I don't know. Yeah, there's, well, there's a that. whole study on that. There's a whole topic <laughs> on that. But I, yeah. well, let me briefly respond to that. Yeah, sure. Um, what was the name of that place in Arkansas? Was it Jonesboro? The Jonesboro shooting with uh, Klebold? I think so. I don't know if uh, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, after that came out, there was a guy who did a radio program that was being interviewed, uh, who was a retired colonel from the uh, U.S. military, who 
was someone who studied and they worked with in the military. That's a topic called killology. Uh -huh. And that is taking your 18, 19 year old person and uh, making sure that when they get on the battlefield, they will shoot to kill because they, they found out that, you know, by, by examining the weapons at Gettysburg, for uh -huh. instance, there were many, many rifles that were never fired. Right. Uh, and then, and then on through the, um, World War II, there was a, a lot of the situation where they started uh, uh, near the end of the war, um, interviewing them afterwards and finding out, you know, who was shooting to kill and who wasn't. Uh -huh. And they had never really put a focus on that in the past because most of the training was done or all the training was done with uh, round targets, you know, the bullseye targets. Yeah. Um for practicing how to shoot a weapon, how to become a marksman and all of that stuff. But the whole idea of shooting a human being is you have to cross a threshold in order to do that. Yeah. Um, exactly. Even even myself, when I was, I think about, um thinking 28 years old, when I first shot at a silhouette target, uh, uh, you know, it was an emotional experience because at that same time I was deciding whether I would do that Right. You know, with a human being. Right. Right. And so this uh, colonel came out and showed that since they the military was studying killology in Vietnam, in the Vietnam conflict, they were working on kill ratio, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to how many uh, rounds were, you know, uh, fired and how many people died. Yeah. You know, in the conflict. And uh, they worked on in, uh, improving that. And it and it was like. They improved from something like 23% up to about 98% kill ratio. Uh -huh. You know, so, and that was done by uh, showing the target uh, falling. Okay. Uh, during uh, Vietnam era, where you'd have a silhouette target, and once it was shot, it would fall backwards. Huh. It would be removed from sight, mm -hmm. in other words. And so the video game where you actually see a carnage going on right. is way beyond what the military did to increase the kill ratio in the Vietnam era. Right. Yeah. And so now we've got a military that that the kill ratio is, you know, like 100 percent. I mean, the, the intent to kill yeah. is there in every soldier. Yeah. Where it was not necessarily that in the yeah. past. Huh. And, That's interesting. and so firing at a silhouette, uh, if if you've never done it before, you know, uh -huh. and you've never contemplated killing someone before, is a very emotional event. Yeah. It yeah. should be. It should, yeah. But I think that's been removed from society. Now. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there's definitely, uh, we're definitely desensitized. But that's, you know, that's uh, that's why I say exactly. good parenting come in, because if if... If my kids ever come to me, even when they're teenagers, wanting to buy a game that's rated M for mature, they're not mature yet. Mm. They're not mature yeah. to play a game that's, you know, a, a combat game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Once they're out of the age of, you know, 18, they're, you know, an adult, we've we've raised them the right way. I, you know, if they have a good sense of right or wrong, I don't have a problem with that. But the, that's the problem yeah. with so many parents are buying 10-year-olds these games that are rated M for mature and these, these call of duty games are very popular with young kids, but they're all rated mm -hmm. M, you know, it's you know, these mm -hmm. parents are buying it. Mm -hmm. They're, they, 
the parents are contributing yeah. to their kids. Uh, absolutely. Being used to shooting, you know, go for the headshot, you know? So, yeah. yeah but, exactly. You know, but me as an Terrible. adult, I can play those games and, ha- you know, it's not, I'm not going to go out and want to shoot a whole bunch of, you know, things, but I think, I think there, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there is a combination uh, on both sides that I think that's the mm-hmm. problem, though. Whenever everyone gets in these discussions, you're either on the right or you're on the left. Either get rid of mm-hmm. all video games, they're all bad, or, you know, the video games aren't the problem. But I think a lot of people need to start meeting yeah. in the middle and having conversations on, you know, and studies like this are very interesting. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, the the uh, the whole killology thing is a yeah. very interesting subject. Yeah. Well, um, let's. I want to get a one last topic here. Then we gotta we gotta call it a day for this for this discussion because I need to move on uh, the second half mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to to discuss. Um, uh, you have more of a libertarian view uh, of things right now, and um, I know in our last podcast we talked to, in the last part of this episode we talked about giving gun rights or gun legislation over to the states. Either mm-hmm. where the state would either say you know, like the federal government is not involved at all, and where each mm-hmm. state would have their gun laws, we came mm-hmm. to the conclusion that's possibly could be kind of messy, you know, um, mm-hmm. like like what we talked about earlier about carrying a gun over state lines. You know, what's the mm-hmm. libertarian point of view as far as that goes? Can you detail that out? Because I think there was we were maybe a little bit confused, or we're just not, you know, we haven't discussed it enough. Um, how would mm-hmm. gun control, you know? under like a libertarian uh mindset b you know how would they divvy that up with the states dude <laughs> can you elaborate on yeah that's a good one that's a good one <laughs> it's a bit tough <laughs> that's a good question sean that's the million dollar question yeah. right yeah yeah i can't speak for libertarians but i can just speak from my own point of view um and and kind of poke at it a little bit i guess um what it would be but yeah, it's not the responsibility of the federal government to violate the Second Amendment, uh-huh. for one thing. Right. Um, there's, there's some. The Second Amendment is only two. It's one sentence. You know, uh, it's a long sentence divided by a comma. It says a well-regulated man- militia. Well, two commas, three commas, <laughs> being necessary to the security of a free state. Okay, that's the first thought. Uh-huh. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. So what that means is each state has the right to have their own militia. So that's what the National Guard uh, uh, units are for each state. Okay. Like California National Guard, Iowa National Guard. They are the militia of the state. Okay. Okay. So what we're saying in the Second Amendment is each state can have its own well-regulated militia. Okay, and then the second thought is the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh-huh. So I take a very literal reading of this amendment and say that any gun control whatsoever is infringement on the rights of the citizens. Okay, so a libertarian view would be that the Constitution, you know, lays it out, you know, what the two things are. That are being that are being established here, recognizing the God-given responsibility for people to defend themselves. The uh-huh. defense of innocent life is very um, strongly um, su- 
laid out in the in the Bible, but you can argue that on a, on a few different levels. But uh-huh. the main thing is the non-infringement. So now, would, when you say, you want to go ahead? No, no. So, ahead. so so basically, there wouldn't be separate laws for each state. Every state would abide by the Second Amendment, and that's basically your quote-unquote gun control right there, right? Is that basically what you're, you're saying? Are we overcomplicating by thinking each state would have its separate laws? Yeah, I think that that's a perfect solution is just to abide by the Second Amendment. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's... Nationwide. So, so here's the second million dollar question, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll end this discussion. So... Sure. Everyone is in is in a stir to basically stop things like the Sandy Hook, uh, mm. stop things like the Aurora shooting. Is there is there a solution? Is is it's not. Oh yeah. Is there a solution as easy as? I mean, there's not an easy solution, but uh, mm-hmm. what? It, I mean, are we stuck? Mm-hmm. Is it just human nature? Are we combating like a society that's just? kind of growing more and more violent or what's what would be your solution if any <laughs> okay well the thing that comes to my mind is that what you do is remove a, a scenario where there's no opposition where a guy can a gunman can come in and be unopposed uh-huh. and shoot people let's go back to the threshold covenant when people come to my house, it's my responsibility to protect their person. Uh-huh. You know, if some thugs or whatever come up to my door, it's my responsibility to defend the people in my home. Now, when when you send your kids to school, there's a threshold. Right. Your children are going over a threshold into the care of the people that run that school. Now, if you would just allow the Second Amendment to... Uh, do its work, then people on the local level would decide how they want to protect the children in their school. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that if the parents were free to have their will known in in a school and they would come to a conclusion, you know, in, in their PTA meetings, if they were totally free uh-huh. to come to their own conclusions, now I believe that uh, there'd be plenty of people that would be willing to um, defend the students in the school, uh-huh. you know, school employees that, that would just do it as citizens. Right. Right. No, no cost. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this has been a very, uh, informative discussion, dad. I thank you for your time. I know this, this is one of these subjects that we can lose track of time and really dive into stuff. So, uh, I'm sure yeah. this, I'm sure that, you know, uh, my, my hope is with these, uh, these two podcasts here that, uh, everyone kind of gets to hear a, a piece, uh, a piece of an opinion, and uh, hopefully we all can uh, understand other opinions and, and things like that. And that's the whole goal of it. So thank you for talking. All right. Um, let's see. We're gonna take a break here, and uh, up next we'll be talking with my uncle, um, Uncle Dave. So stay tuned for that. But first. Taking one musical break today instead of two. Um, the song is uh, called A Soldier's Burden. This is by the artist uh, Brett Detar. And you can get that uh, that for free off his, uh, off his website, brettdetar.com, B-R-E-T-T-D-E-T-A-R.com. You can also uh, 
get his uh get it you can get a cool package off it from his new album um it's like 20 bucks you can get vinyl lp and the hd digital album uh the vinyl looks amazing uh for 20 bucks so uh pretty great artwork on that i'll add that to my collection uh, anyway <laughs> this is brett detar with the song a soldier's burden you're listening to the axpx podcast
That was Brett Detar. Detar, I always, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I, I'm horrible. So apologies, Brett, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, the song is called A Soldier's Burden. You can get that uh, for free. He's actually giving his album away for free at brettdetar.com. Go grab it. And uh, like I said, there's also a limited edition vinyl LP for 20 bucks that just looks, uh, artwork and everything just looks incredible. So definitely, definitely grab that. Uh, you can purchase a high def album upgrade with four exclusive uh, bonus tracks for five bucks uh, if you uh, if you got the free version of that album. All right, uh, so now we have our we're into our second half of the show here, and I have my my uncle Dave on on the line here, and we're gonna chat um, chat a little more gun control. And I'm sure after uh, these two episodes, everyone's gonna be sick of the subject. <laughs> no, or at least having a, have a better understanding of uh, of uh, where people stand and. And all that. So, uh, uh, Uncle Dave, thanks for uh, for chatting with me today. Oh, you're welcome. In regards to to gun control, um, gun control or or you know or guns. And it's funny because today, like I've been looking at the news, and there's been like a slew of just crazy headlines today. So I think we're gonna start there. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the first one, and actually I think you posted on your Facebook was that uh, five people so far have been hurt in accidental shootings at at gun shows. Uh, I think in Ohio. Indiana and North Carolina, and what's what's humorous to me about this, and what's ironic is it's, you know, they're touting it as kind of gun appreciation weekend, um, and it seems like there's a lot of, I mean, they're all accidental, but uh, you know, I feel like uh, maybe there's, it's all the, I don't know, just uneducated people in regards to guns or what's happening. They're bringing guns in that are loaded. Um, what what are your thoughts on the story here? Uh, this one that you posted here. Well, as I as I stated there, I think it's fairly amazing that uh, these folks go attend these gun shows, and of course uh, they are not subject to background checks or anything. But that's probably uh, beside the point. But but here are people fooling with uh, these uh, what I call them weapons of mass destruction, uh-huh. and and uh, they can't even control them uh, where their own bodily uh, health is involved. You know they're. Right. Uh, they're they're coming in here. They're, obviously, they're loaded. They're uh, the, either they don't know how to unload them or or what. But uh, I think it's I think it's sad, and I and I yeah. do think that it it speaks uh, to the subject yeah. quite uh, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, that's why these types of stories kind of strike me because um, as I spoke with my my dad earlier today. Um, you know, I was raised when you're carrying a gun around, you keep that sucker unloaded. Like, especially if it's a rifle or a shotgun, something like that, you make sure the chamber's clear. You know, safety. I was taught, you know, safety above all in regards to you know transporting a weapon if you have it in a bag. Because I know one of these uh, in the, the Dixie Gun and Knife Show in Raleigh, a 12 gauge shotgun discharge um, as his owner was just unzipping the case. Yeah. So you know why they're transporting these or walking around with loaded weapons. You know, that obviously aren't, I don't know if they're holstered or what. I, you know, it's obviously the safety is not on everyone's mind here for some reason. And that just strikes me as really shocking. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's amazing, you know, to think that uh, these folks uh, feel confident enough to be carrying these guns around and so forth. And yet these kinds of things happen. Yeah. And the guy with the shotgun, he's lucky nobody got killed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With all these, they're, they're lucky, lucky no one got, uh, no one got killed. Um, 
So the next one, there are a couple more here, and then I'm going to kind of backtrack, and we'll um, we'll talk about the topic a bit more here. But this other one that I saw, uh, a man created a working AR-15 with a 3D printer, um, which is crazy, and that kind of moves this conversation on a whole other level. You know, if somebody has access, you know, 3D printers are being touted as kind of the next thing to have in the home, you know, and uh, uh, I'll post all these stories in, in the show notes, of course, but... Uh, uh, this guy had been testing. He tested a like I think a twenty two pistol uh, before, and it got up to two hundred rounds. Six, successfully fired two hundred rounds before uh, before breaking, and then now he's successfully successfully tested a, an AR a full functioning AR fifteen rifle. Which I'm not. I'm looking at the news store. I'm not one hundred percent sure if those are automatic or semi automatic. But uh, the fact that you're able to print a gun. Um, is obviously kind of a little bit scary, even to someone who, like me, who doesn't really have a problem with gun ownership. It's kind of scary that just anybody now can, if they have the right software and the right, you know, uh, hardware, they can make their own their own weapon in their home. That's, have you le- heard about any of that stuff at all, or what are your? No, I really, I really haven't, and it sounds like it's maybe beyond my uh, <laughs> <laughs> understanding of what that really means. What, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you have the. Um, I'm not really sure how 100 how a 3D printer works. I've seen them used in like like movie special effects where they yeah. you know kind of made um you know they make fe- they kind of press fake weapons and stuff like that. They use 3D printers out of and they make them out of like you know fiberglass or stuff like that. But uh, this is actually you know I'm not sure how they work, but he's actually able to print a fully you know a metal you know weapon. So Gosh, that, that's amazing. So, yeah, you know, it, so, so given the technology and, and the wherewithal uh, uh, from a manufacturing standpoint, you can just go and make a <laughs> gun. Huh? Yeah, it's really uh, it's so, it's a whole so, new level. You know what I mean? That, that, that's exciting. <laughs> I, you know, it's a whole new level. So and then finally today, this is in your neck of the woods. Um, it, it was discovered that uh, that five people were were shot in their homes uh, overnight and it was two adults and three children. Uh, in New Mexico, in Al- Albuquerque, yeah, uh, and uh, with with an AR-15, yeah. Um, it, so. it, you know, it, we see that a lot here. It's, yeah. it's it's really quite amazing that the 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 amount of gunfire that goes on in Albuquerque. Huh. Uh, we even have a here, of course, up here in Santa Fe too. But uh-huh. but uh, you know, the 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 Justice Department had come in and it had has been investigating the police department. In fact for the amount of killings that they've, you know, had with their own uh, forces. So it's, it's amazing. Now, you know, you, you do have an area here, you know, New Mexico is a very, you know, fairly poor state. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of folks here who uh, have a lot of problems, you know, I mean, but there's a lot of Indian reservations and so forth, but, but the amount of, of poverty, I think really contributes to the, to the level of violence that maybe comes out, and it, and it's you know it's it's probably half expected, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, let's move into. I got a few uh, trying to go through some discussion questions here, but I mean, we'll we'll kind of go back and kind of start at the top with you um, and your personal experience with with firearms. Do you have? I know that uh, Grandpa wasn't a uh, uh, Grandpa Dreger wasn't a gun owner. Um, do you have any personal experience? With guns yourself, or have you always just kind of, you know, stayed away from them and, you know? No, I've had a little bit. Uh, I was when I was in high school, uh, and I've I've got involved with some folks who 
had guns. Uh, and, you know, it seemed sounded pretty sexy. You yeah. Know? So, uh, in fact, I bought a, a, a 22 uh, caliber target rifle from a from a guy I worked I was working with it in, in my senior year. Uh, and uh, I thought this would be fun to have. Now, God knows why I thought that would be fun to have. But, you know, I took it. I'd take it to the range. It was a target rifle. Uh-huh. But um, so it was uh, it didn't even have a magazine. It was a single shot. Uh-huh bolt action uh, rifle and uh you know i i played with it a little bit we'd go out in the woods and shoot at a tree or something and i thought well this is sort of ridiculous so you know that after a while that that uh, wound up standing in the closet but probably my big experience was the marine corps uh-huh. uh they trained me to fire a m14 uh from 500 yards and uh it was yeah, I, I think having having had that experience, I, I, you know, of course, I didn't go to Vietnam, mm-hmm. but but nevertheless, uh, I think once I'd had that experience, I, I, it was probably enough for me. I, I came home and got rid of my twenty two, and from then on, I've I've never really thought about having them. Um, so yeah, that that that's been kind of my experience. But yeah. it was mili- it was a military experience. Uh, that M14 is what they use for as sniper rifles now. I think because they've got the the M14 now, which is a uh, 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 or the M4. I'm sorry, uh-huh. which is the the basic assault rifle. But these were were big uh, NATO type uh, big rifles with uh, they were uh, magazine fed. They had seven rounds. And you know, it seemed to me that the, uh, the the Marine Corps at that time thought seven rounds was enough. But anyway, right, that, right. That's that story. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, so, I know, I know all this is, has been you know gun gun control and the and the gun conversation for the past you know since. Uh, I guess this, I guess it ramped up with your Aurora, Colorado shootings, and then recently with those Sandy Hook shootings. Um, do you think that those two events, especially, have become kind of a tipping point for this conversation? Um, has it been for you, or what? What? What have you seen? Kind well, of with the uh, you know even even casual conversation, it just seems like it's on everyone's you know everyone's mind now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think particularly uh, Aurora. Yeah, and, and then and then the, the the horrific issue of having twenty babies murdered. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just enough. You know, uh, we keep putting up with this, and uh, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but the, the the Aurora, Colorado thing, I think, really strikes home probably even more for me than than uh, than the school shootings. I mean, for God's sake, if I'd had a little baby in there and it was murdered, you know, that'd be yeah. one. But, I mean, you can't even get past that. But this, uh, uh, you know, I was sitting in the theater the other day, and, and, and I could see that the exit door, I could see light between the doors, uh-huh. and it came to my mind. I thought, oh, my God, has somebody propped the door open? Right. Is somebody going to be busting in here with a gun? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't even go to the movies and feel safe. So I think wherever you are, where, where, whether it's a restaurant, a mall, a theater, a school, or wherever, I think that, that the tendency to be worried about the terrorism that comes with this worrying about, is somebody going to bust in with a gun? Uh-huh. Um, and I remember back in, I don't know if you remember the, 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 the old phrase about going postal. Yeah. 
you know, it, it's it's kind of that kind of thing. It started out with people who were just pissed off. Yeah, they're they're not insane. They're just you know somehow something pushes them over the edge. You know, and and uh, if they have access to uh, these weapons, then you know stand by because you you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, I know that uh, President Obama spoke the other day. Did you have a chance to to listen to his his speech? I, you know, I did, and, and I would have to say that I agree with most everything he's doing. I, I think it's a reasonable and rational approach uh-huh. to to try to do something with this. I mean, once you recognize that even the Supreme Court has supported the the Second Amendment, and and you get past this whole unfortunate uh, compromise that the founding fathers had to put into the Bill of Rights, uh, and say, okay, we got to put up with this. Then we then we got to figure out a way to, to to make ourselves feel safe, and that uh, and that there are people out there who have guns. Look, you know, uh, secure them. Um, I th- I think about uh, this guy Lanz's mother. She's she supplied all the weaponry for this her son. Mm-hmm. She was the first victim. Now, why the hell didn't she have these all locked up? Right. Yeah, exactly. I, that, that boggled my mind, too. Like, were uh, they in a gun safe? Did she have them in a drawer? I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, here's a guy with autism, so they think, uh-huh. um, who, you know, had full, uh, I guess, access to these to these weapons. And I, I think it's just, well, you know, she paid with her life. But um, I, I think that one of the one of the things that, uh, Obama has gone through, and one of the issues he has is is uh, of the twenty three. I think if you look at the detailed uh, stuff that I, I think I in fact posted it from the uh, New York Times, uh-huh. and, and he's they, they've got it. They, there is a section there about encouraging gun owners to live up to their responsibility to store guns safely. Right, and I, and I think that's good, but you know. I think they should go a step further. Um, I think they should. They, I think there should be uh, liability. I think there should be personal responsibility for gun owners who allow their guns to wind up being misused in some kind of fashion, whether it's a murder or robbery or whatever. Right. If, if you if you don't have your guns, you know, secured in such a fashion that people can get a hold of them and use them, then you should go to jail. So, yeah, there should be some sort of. Uh repercussion i mean uh, uh there was that news story the other day where a a school security guard left his gun just sitting on the sink in the bathroom the you know the bathroom it's like that guy should lose his job you know that should be the first thing yeah that, you know get that guy out of there he's blown it he's done you know well you, you know and that's another part of that that problem too the the nri saying which you would you just hire more guards <laughs> well you know there's a guard you know, here's a guy who, who who probably God knows what kind of education or where he's been in his life or what his background is, uh, but he's probably making minimum wage. And, you know, it, it's like this guy Zimmerman, you know, give right. him a gun and, and he's going to go out there and he's going to look for an opportunity to be a hero, regardless of who gets hurt. You know, it might be him probably. Right. But, yeah. 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 Yeah, and in that case, it seemed like I don't know what kind of training that guy had. That guy had either, um, but you know, it, it's it's a tough, you know, it's a tough scenario to kind of uh, who who do you choose to let have guns? Who do you choose to keep guns out of out of their hands? Um, I'm assuming you're not for a total like gun ban, but are do you think like an assault rifle ban would be a step in the right direction? Um, oh, 
Absolutely. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any reason for people to have military-grade weapons. Uh -huh. um, you know, if you go back to the Second Amendment, you know, and, and I said before that it's, it's, it's kind of an unfortunate compromise, as I understand it anyway, uh -huh. from little reading I've done, it, that, that basically the Founding Fathers included this in there because there were too many of the states who, for, on the one hand, didn't want to pay for a standing army, and on the other... Uh, were afraid of, of the power of a standing army uh, in the hands of the Federalists. So, Federalists. So, you had the, the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists, you know. Uh -huh. And so, to, to get them to come along and, and be a part of this nation, they said, well, we'll put this little thing in there. It can't hurt anybody, you know. Gee, all we have is flintlock uh, loaders and uh, single-shot guns and swords and things like that. But you know, it's 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 so sadly outdated, um, and uh, you know, you have to figure the founding fathers were uh, um, uh, doing what uh, and putting with, uh, dealing with with the education and the experience they've had in life. You know, certainly yep. they have no idea we'd, where we would be today. So yeah, well, yeah I think military grade weapons have no place. I mean, they're not for hunting. They're, I mean, you know, if you want. Uh, I mean, I'm even to the point where I'm feeling that there are so many guns out there anymore that even myself, there are times when I think, man, I ought to go down and buy something to protect myself from the other guys who have guns. Right. I mean, it's crazy. It's that kind of escalation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, um, as, uh, cause my, my dad has a, uh, he has a conceal and carry license now. And, uh, and that was almost his, his reaction that was his reaction to the Aurora shootings was, man, I better arm myself when I'm going out and about, you know, and he, he took action and took the classes and did it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 to, to an extent, I do understand. I mean, if you want, if you're out and about and you do want to protect yourself, um, you know, more power to you as long as you're, my whole thing is training. Like as long as you're trained, you know how to use it. Uh, in our, our earlier part one episode, um, our, we had, had a Texas police officer on and he, you know, they go through specific training on how to react in a tense situation. You know, they, they're specifically trained for that, but the casual gun owner is not trained, you know, at all for, you know, a tense, you know, bullets whizzing by situation. And, and, you know, for the most part, they, they may end up getting themselves or, or those around them killed just because they're, they're not trained. I mean, and do you think, you know, I, do you think the government should, or not the government, but there should be more more programs or training? You know, would that help? You well, know, I, you know, I I think that there there certainly is in part of Obama's you know twenty three points. Uh, I mean, that's that's included there, and I and I think that's probably right. And I think that I think you need to have all of the background checks. I think they need to close all the loopholes on this thing. Uh -huh. I mean, I know there are always going to be people who go underground and buy weapons. Right. I'm, you know, I've heard that the Mexican cartels get seventy percent of their weapons from the United States. So you got people going in and buying guns and then and then selling them to the Mexicans. I mean, there's. There's there's got to be stuff like that, and there and there probably always will be an, a criminal element, you know. Uh -huh. But the idea that the the rest of us as law-abiding citizens should be opposed to a background check, uh, a, a waiting period, a a requirement for training. Mm -hmm. I mean, for Pete's sake, I went out, you know, and decided I wanted to drive a car, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Did I just go out and drive the car? No, I had to have driver's ed. I had to have a car that was registered. It has to have insurance, you know, and I have to know how to pass a driving test, you know, right. before I operate that. I mean, to me, it, it, it really isn't any different. I mean, except that the gun obviously is for, you know, aside from shooting at paper targets and some deer, I mean, there shouldn't be any other purpose for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in the ideal world, you would need a, a firearm to protect yourself or your home. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, you know, and I, and I think the folks like the, the British, you know, they, they have a culture there that doesn't question, you know, that they don't have guns. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and as a result, you know, they don't have 30,000 um, uh, incidents a year, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it seems like uh, the kind of like with the NRA and and um, the NRA, they continually insert their foot in their mouths. Uh, they really they do, they really don't help. Well, they it, it's fascinating that they have a platform to actually do some good and awareness, but they keep kind of shoving their foot in their mouth um, by being more combat combative than yeah. anything. Um, do you think it's just a small percentage just screaming loudly that they want to keep their guns or, I mean, or, or is. Well, you know, the thing that bothers me is if we get past this second amendment thing and uh-huh. say, okay, it's, it's, you can have a gun. Okay. Right. But there's got to be limits to, to the kind of gun you should have. But, but, you know, th- this business that you shouldn't have to register, that you shouldn't have to answer anybody's questions about, you know, gun ownership, I think is just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a rational, educated person, what are you afraid of? I, I, I know there is a lot of that, you know, conspiracy theory out there that somehow you're going to need your gun to take down the government or protect yourself from the government. Right. You know, and I just don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't either. Um, and I don't. I, I highly doubt that the uh, that the police or even our armed forces would. Uh, turn against the citizens either so that's right you know well no i mean they're the same they're, we're all the same you know but yeah. I, I i know and it's probably goes back to that original thinking you know that the the reason that the amendment was put in the bill of rights to begin with and, I, and it amazes me that it's survived this long and uh you know <laughs> the world is definitely a different place yeah yeah definitely because it uh yeah, it's single shot muskets and, and things like that is what it was was referring to uh, as far as keeping a standing militia. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. So, I mean, we've kind of we've 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 talked. What, what would your your ideal method of gun control be? I mean, if you you know if you're able to have to have your way, like you know, aside I guess aside from having no guns at all, which in realistic I guess is impossible. Um, you're talking about like more restrictions, right? And training. Well, yeah, or, I, I think I think everything that's been said. I, I I think the one thing that I would really uh, look. I mean, if I had my way, if I were king, uh, I, I would, as I said before, uh, require uh, uh, accountability on the part of gun owners. Uh, I mean, enough enough accountability, enough pain potentially from losing sight of your weapons. Mm-hmm that you keep them locked up, you keep your kids away from them, um, you know what you're doing yourself. I mean, we are, we are way beyond, I think, uh, the, the, 
the opportunity to to rethink the Second Amendment. I think yeah. it is way out of control. I mean, we've I mean, we've got what five percent of the population and fifty percent of the guns in the world. Yeah, and we're not prying these guns <laughs> out of their hands. So let's make them accountable. I mean, really accountable. Right. Yeah. I, what? Yeah. What? What do you think that mindset is that uh, it? You know, it's I'm a, I'm going for the Second Amendment, and I'm going to own a gun just because I can, and I'm going to own as many guns as I want. I mean, is that a specific? person personality like you know what's yeah. I, you know i i think it is i i don't know i i don't know what the psychology is uh involved with with folks who like to collect guns mm-hmm. um but but the, we've all seen it there are personality types out there that uh i don't know maybe they've maybe it's like a guy who has a real uh hot car you know mm-hmm. um you know, it, maybe it's a kind of a macho thing. Um, there's a lot of people who get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of uh, that, uh, you know, recoil that comes off that weapon. Um, and, and again, there is the, the, the sport of it. I mean, uh-huh. I certainly have good friends who have owned weapons and I've been skeet shooting with right. friend and with shotguns. And uh, I mean... It's. I guess it's like a lot of things. A lot of people love fishing. I, yeah. I don't care about fishing, you know. <laughs> so you know, but I. But I do think there is a mindset there, and then somehow, uh, those folks are being preyed upon by the propaganda that the that you find on these websites. You know, like uh-huh. like the uh, uh, NRA, uh, 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 the Birch Society. Uh-huh. So a lot of these places where somehow uh, they've convinced people that if they don't have guns, somebody's going to come and get them. Right. Uh, and and I don't I I don't understand the paranoia. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. And I think that's the consensus of of the first half of the show as well. Um, you know, it, it's funny because you hear all the stuff from all these people just complaining about an assault rifle ban, which you know, wasn't even in an executive order. It's still up to Congress. You know, right. that's all over Facebook. Everyone's screaming. It seems like this small percentage of people is also the loudest. And, uh, you know, it's like a, you know, like, you know, I got three little, three little kids and, uh, you know, one of them wants something and I, I'm not letting them have it. So they throw a fit. You know, that's yeah. going on with, with, with guns. And, you know, I, 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 it's funny because when I've been trying to bring people together for the show, um, everyone I talked to was very, you know, um, uh, had common sense. Um, no one was, uh, too far right, too far left. There's a, so it seems like the vast majority of the population is level headed about gun ownership and responsibility. But you have these small percentage of people that are also the loudest that are just making up a stink, you know, um, yes. with this conversation. So it's been refreshing. Yeah. You know, this conversation I've had for the show has been really refreshing, uh, and I and I hope that encourages other people to just sit and listen, you know, to one another. And <laughs> yeah, you know. well, I, I think both sides have to come together. The, the the guys on the far right who are are saying, you know, you, you're going to pry my gun out of my dead hands, versus the guys on the other side who say, you know, we have to repeal the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, my my first reaction to some of these things is. 
That's exactly what should happen. But, you know, we need to be practical. I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen. And, and I think everybody needs to, to kind of come together and agree on some middle ground like we do with everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously what the founding fathers did in the first place. To get everybody on board with the Constitution, they had to satisfy some folks and put this in there. And it was for a regulated militia that was in lieu of a standing army. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, that I agree with you. I mean, that's what we need to do is everybody needs to, like, calm down and, you know, do what's rational here. I mean, we, we want to protect our children. We want to protect each other. We want You don't want to have to go out and feel a, this, this overarching feeling of some terrorism yeah oh and 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 this fear of of anybody else walking around with a gun yeah is not unlike the the fear that we had probably after 9-11 and we were worried about you know what's what's the next terrorist thing well this is terrorism yeah have have you seen any this kind of uh this kind of like you know paranoia with as far as stepping outside your door by being safe have, have you seen anything like it um when you were younger and like that, or is this kind of new for you? This, the, the gun thing. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, like I, I, like you said about going to a theater, like I felt the same way sitting down in the theater. It's like, I've almost, I don't look forward to going to a movie as much anymore because there's like in the back of your mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it used to be like what you worried about some, a backpack laying around someplace. Yeah. It's the same thing. And, uh, well, you know, there there have been, of course, growing up, there, there was the Cold War. I uh-huh. mean, and in the 50s, you know, there was a Joe McCarthy who, you know, of course, I was just a kid, but he was running around accusing everybody to, of being a communist. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's it's a lot of the same thing. You know, you, you're afraid to say anything because somebody might think that, you know, what you're saying and therefore you're a traitor or, you know, the, so the, so there's that kind of thing, too, where, well, you, you know, you're not a patriot if, if, if you're not for guns, you know, and right. yeah, I think we just need to get over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like every uh, every generation has its moments. And this just seems to be, you know, right now, this is uh, this is one of those moments that we need to, yeah, you know, come together and and actually discuss instead of talking over each other yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of nastiness out there you know i go on the websites and you and you look at the i mean if you just look at the comments that were made by you know uh, against the president's uh suggestions and there's just some really nasty crap you know yeah and you man these people are talking i mean that's the other part you know we've 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 become just so used to being rude <laughs> and maybe that's a part of it you know that yeah you don't know how to be civil I well yeah there's the social media so anyone can spout off their uh what normally they would probably be keeping to themselves yeah. they have a, a a platform to just spout anything out you know that they want at during that moment so yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah that's interesting all right well um uh uncle dave uh thank you so much for for talking to me about this. Um, I've been wanting to, you know, talk to you about this for quite some time and finally had a kind of a platform, <laughs> you know, an That's excuse. Good. It's good. I'm and glad to do it. Yeah, an excuse to, to chat with you. Um, it's good to hear you. Yeah. Well, um, that's going to do it for uh, this two-part uh, two part episode uh, about gun control. I want to thank all of you for, for listening. And, uh, you know, ha- 
have civil conversations, I guess, is what you can come away from these two episodes is uh, if you just sit down with and talk with someone who may have a different opinion, if you just listen to each other, you may actually agree on stuff. <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, the, the AXPX podcast is brought to you by Charming Beard Coffee. Go to charmingbeard.com and buy a bag of coffee. Insert uh, the code AXPX into uh, your checkout and you'll get a 10% discount. I'll be talking to all of you again very soon. Uh, Joey and I will be back next week. Hopefully we'll be, um, we're going to try to actually broadcast a, uh, a lecture by Bart D. Ehrman about the, uh, the King James Bible. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Seth Andrews, whose book Deconverted, uh, just came out. We'll be chatting with him about his story and the, uh, the quote unquote Christian bubble. Um, so stay tuned for those. I'll talk to all of you next week. Have a safe week. Bye-bye.